right. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Jazz Is Last Call. If you are watching along with us on Facebook and YouTube and to The Jazz Is Backstage Pass, if you're listening in audio form, I am your host, Brian Zimmerman, executive editor of Jazz Is Magazine, and we've got a very special episode for you tonight, a special edition audio file episode. Uh, it's going to be of particular interest to record collectors, vinyl purists, uh, record aficionados, and the people who love them. We are going to be joined by Jeff Coates, the in-house analog expert from Project Audio, and he is going to be walking us through the 10 things you probably didn't know about keeping a record collection. He's going to be giving us some tips and tricks for taking care of our audio equipment as well. Now, if you are a record collector and and I know you're out there watching. I'd like to know about your collection in the comments. Let us know if you're a collector of vinyl, CD, cassette tape, 8-track. I know you're out there too. Uh, and let us know how many pieces are in your collection. You know, our jazz's contributor, Mark Stryker, he comes on the program a lot, has a record collection of over 6,000 pieces in his basement. So let's see who can beat Mark. Uh, let us know in the comments. And let us know where you're watching from because, uh, you know, we want to know. All right. With that, uh, Jeff Coates is here. He's standing by. Like I say, it is last call. Let's, let's go one more round with Jeff Coates. Jeff, are you there? I'm here. Nice to see you, Brian. Good to see you too, Jeff. Hey, thank you so much for joining the program today. This is a really cool episode. You know, we're in the midst of a vinyl renaissance. A lot of people are out there collecting vinyl, spinning vinyl. It is a good time for vinyl. And I'm very glad you're here to walk us through the 10 things we probably didn't know about keeping a record collection as people are starting to build their collections. People are indoors. They're doing a lot of listening. And uh, you're the man to do it. So before we get into the 10 things, I'm just curious, you know, can you tell us a little bit about Project and how long you've been there and what you do for them? Sure, absolutely. So Project's uh, coming up on 30 years old. It's a company based in Vienna, Austria. Um, one of the very first companies to kind of come out of that, I guess we call it the early vinyl revival. Uh, when Heinz Lichtenegger founded the company, um, he was finding that a lot of the big Japanese companies that were really great at producing affordable sort of mass market turntables had exited the category. And we were starting to see this sort of bifurcation where you can buy some real basic plastic stuff or some really, really esoteric, very expensive products. Uh, Heinz mostly is from a classical music background. He's actually a, a patron of the Vienna Philharmonic. He's a big fan of large-scale classical music. Uh, but for him, he always felt that the best way, dollar for dollar, to get a really high-performance audio system was with an analog front end. Uh, so all of a sudden, those affordable turntables were gone. Uh, so a friend actually came to him with a turntable that was manufactured in what was then Czechoslovakia um, at a Soviet-era manufacturing plant that was only sold in the Eastern Bloc. He said, hey, Heinz, you've got to hear this thing. So Heinz literally took it, looked, take a look at it, went, jumped in his car and went to Czechoslovakia and convinced this Soviet-era manufacturing group to build him a turntable. So that was the genesis of Project wow. Audio Systems. And uh, yeah, fast forward 30 years later, we're the largest, uh, largest manufacturer of high quality turntables in the world. Um, every piece that we build is out of, uh, done out of the Czech Republic in that same facility in Litovel in the Czech Republic. Um, and yeah, we, depending on the month, between 10 and $15,000, excuse me, 10 to 15,000 turntables. Uh, so we're the largest non-Chinese manufacturer of turntables and analog electronics in the world. Very cool. And you are their in-house resident analog expert, yes? 
Well, I mean, so in the U.S., we distribute Project Audio Systems uh, as part of the Macintosh group. Cool. So you see some of the, the gear I have behind me. We've got some, the gear. some Macintosh equipment, Sonos Faber loudspeakers, uh, of course, the Project Turntable and Electronics. So this is all part of the same family. Um, I run sales and marketing for Project and Sumiko Analog here in the Very U.S. Very cool. I have been to the Macintosh listening room. In Manhattan, I sat down with, uh, you know, some Miles Davis. I think it was Porgy and Bess playing. And, man, the depth of the listening experience, it was just astounding. You know, every frequency of the ride cymbal, very resonant bass for people, you know, who maybe aren't listening to jazz on vinyl as much these days. You're missing out. It sounds great. Um, and so for those that are, Jeff, you have, again, some things that we probably didn't know about keeping a record collection. So are you ready to dive into the list? Yeah, no, I think so. That's great. I actually, uh, you'll forgive me. I'm gonna have to uh, go off. Gonna have to go off the set yeah. list here. We all do it. We so, all do it. Yeah, but I think uh, you know the one of the things that I really wanted to focus on is, is pr pretty much our top three are really the community of, of buying records and how important that is. I mean, you mentioned earlier a lot of us were spending more time at home. You know, this uh, quarantine that we're all kind of going through, whether whether or not people are doing it to the degree they should be. Uh, but this is hitting a lot of our favorite musicians and a lot of our favorite performers, especially True. hard. Yes. Uh, the venues that we all know and love for live music. And this is especially important for, you know, acoustic live music like jazz, which, God, it's such a, it's such an experiential uh, type of music. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I really like to point out when people are collecting or starting a collection of records um, is that it's so important when you have the opportunity to, to support directly the bands, the labels, and the small independent record stores that really helped move this whole thing forward. Um, I was surprised, and actually one of the, one of the um, I read a last call recently, you did something with uh, Basin Street, uh, Basin Street Records down in That's New right. Orleans. Yep. Uh, love those guys, big Kermit Ruffins fans for years and years. Um, and I just, there was something that happened back in March where they put out sort of a, a plea like, hey guys, we're, we have all, we're paying our artists uh, the quarterly Quarterly bills are due. Um, right. Help us out. Um, so I ended up buying a couple of records that I'd been looking at for a long time, um, and that you know they actually took the time to reach out just with me as just a regular customer and a lover of their music, um, and that really imprinted on me just how important that is. And a lot of these outfits that we think about as being larger than they are, perhaps um, they're just the fellow fans in the back of the room watching the band, yeah, um, and they're the ones that are producing these records. Um, so yeah, whenever you have the opportunity to, you know, get out there, support those local artists. Um, a lot of these folks that are doing, whether it's a, a record that you can buy directly from them, um, and then a little off topic, if they are doing some of the, you know, the, the online performances, you know, kick a couple bucks in towards Venmo, you know, support these, these local artists uh, as much as you can, because it's really, really important. Totally. Uh, and it's, it kind of feeds right into the second part, which for me is so important about record uh, collecting is it really is a community. Um, you don't necessarily realize it, but you're never going to get connected with the same people. If you're just doing everything on streaming, of course it can sound great. Uh, but the chances of you being connected with the artists themselves or people that are in that group or fans of that artist, um, a whole lot slimmer. 
So that's a really good point. Love. Yeah, there is a you know person to person equality about record collecting. You know whether it's going to the store to purchase the record back when you could go to stores and purchase records or at a show, record sure. trade conferences. Um, yeah, and not to mention there's something about kind of congregating around the record player uh, that's also very communal. So. Two strong points to lead off the list there, Jeff. I like this. Yeah. Well, and you just served up number three. I don't know where this actually yeah. set on my list, but <laughs> you know, the communal aspect of listening is a big thing for analog playback. Um, actually, the uh, project's headquarters uh, over in Austria sits on, well, the, the translation is analog way. So okay. as a company, we really have this idea, this philosophy that, you know, there's, and this could be, this certainly can work its way into digital formats. It's not a, an exclusive to analog, but there's something very special about taking the time out of your day and saying, for right now, I'm going to focus on this one task. And all that is, is the enjoyment of music. Right. Uh, the LP really lends itself to that because here you have for this 20 to 25 minutes, you and the people that you're, you know, hopefully you're, you know, you're lucky enough to spend some time with, whether it's family or friends or whether you're by yourself, you can take that time and really focus and have this active engagement with the music um, in ways that's super difficult to do if it's just sort of in the background while you're cooking or it's so you know, true you cannot house. strap a turntable to your arm and go for a run you know <laughs> you can't put in the car as you look for something on MapQuest. it's you're there the record's playing 25 minutes later, you know, you got to turn it over. You have the album cover in your hands. You don't necessarily get that tactile feel, you know, with streaming. You can read through liner notes, personnel. And in jazz, this is a huge thing. It's like next to baseball card collectors. You know, we want to know everybody that plays on the album, who produced it. So, yeah, I agree. There's the tactile communal aspect of all of this. Um, and keeping a record collection, you are helping to sustain that community for sure. Yep. No, absolutely. Like We're big fans of active, engaged listening. Um, and that's really one of the things that, uh, listening on analog especially, uh, I think a lot of people are surprised when they start a collection. Just, wait a minute, I'm actually more in touch with the music that I've already loved. I thought I already loved this band. And of course, right. you continue to, but you it's just another layer uh, of your relationship with them. Very which is pretty cool. special. Yeah. Uh, All right, if my math they, is correct, and it's often not, I believe we're on number four. <laughs> Did we're we make it there? Four? I think so, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Jeez, that's right. We did have a list format that we were trying to keep. keep to. It's uh, we you warned me about this at the uh, in the pre-roll, but that's I'm equally bad at lists. So I have. Uh, this is what happens when you take numbers. an English major and put them with an audio guy. It's you know numbers are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so one of the other uh, things that I like to point out for people that maybe aren't haven't had a record collection in the past or just kind of new to it. Um, is that the you know, records are they're surprisingly durable? Um, there's this idea that you know, oh man, I have to be so careful. And while they certainly you should treat them with the respect they deserve, I mean, this is a really robust format. Uh, the Microgroup Groove LP has been with us since 1948. I mean, this is a relatively mature technology, yeah. Um, but one of the first things we always try to do with it's a new dealer training or with, whether we're doing a turntable setup at a record store or one of these things online, just sort of taking people through initial kind of unboxing and setup, is just sort of demystifying. You know, the, the record, the LP format is remarkably durable and right. you, everything doesn't have to be perfect to get I really see. good sound. Right, um, right. Now, it will reward making things perfect. 
you know, so careful setup is absolutely important. Having the best, cleanest possible records is going to increase your performance. Gotcha. Um, and what about a tip but, for keeping those records clean, you know, making sure they don't, how should you store the records? Uh, just some basic vinyl care. Sure, absolutely. Um, so right out of the gate, one thing that I think surprises a lot of people when they buy a brand new record is that that thing needs a cleaning pretty much immediately. Oh, wow, right um, off the bat. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's, you'll see this sometimes. I mean, every once in a while, even when you try to get a record on the platter that first time, you notice there's that little... That little extra bit of vinyl that wasn't quite spun off when they were drilling the holes for the yeah, same spindle. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of little debris and dust and dirt that can get picked up in the manufacturing and then in the, in the boxing process. Uh, so we always recommend giving them a good clean before you place it on your record player for the first time. Uh, you know, after that, as long as you're keeping things pretty clean, just something real basic. You know, I keep a, I keep a real simple, uh, just a little... You know, carbon fiber record brush okay. um, that I always use every time before I give it a spin. Just a couple of rotations, around, just make sure yeah. that any visible dust has been removed. Uh, and then off camera over here, I actually have one of our vacuum record cleaning systems. Wow. So about 500 bucks, you can actually get a really nice semi-automatic uh, record cleaning machine. So you apply the fluid, give it a couple of rotations in either direction, and that thing's coming out absolutely pristine. Beautiful. And then we can wow. kind of see your record collection behind you over your shoulder there. Store these yeah. records vertically. Vertically. Yes. yes, very important. Absolutely. Um, and when you have the opportunity to, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to buy the archival uh, inserts. But we do recommend, it, especially if it came in a full-color printed jacket, um, just to get some really good rice paper jackets or some good anti-static jackets to store your records. Uh, that's going to help. You don't want to ever be in a situation where you find that that LP actually had, uh, I've had this happen on a couple of favorites, unfortunately, where, uh, you know, you're at a show, you're not really paying attention, and you find that the adhesive from the actual LP insert is bonded to the surface of the record. It's oh, no. heartbreaking. Oh, no. Yeah, so, leave it in no, a humid car no, overnight. Yeah. Oh, don't ever do that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, uh, yeah, they're right up there with, you know, pets, small yeah. children, you know, <laughs> yes. keep them out of, keep Treat them, out them of the gently. Car. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Well, Hey, we'll move right along then to the next, uh, item on the list, whether sure. we glossed over five or six in there, you know, I, who knows at this point, yeah, we're freewheeling. We, we got right in there. Um, well, <laughs> this is one that, that comes into a lot of collectors, especially as you get more into jazz and older blues and some things. Every once in a while, you're going to come across uh, some 70 R 78 RPM records. Yeah. Um, so really important, especially if you're kind of new to the hobby. Um, don't ever try to play those on a modern elliptical di diamond stylus photo cartridge. Right? So the cartridges that we use today, they're all made to work with the traditional the vinyl formulations that we've been using for right. stereo LPs uh, for years and years. Unfortunately, that diamond will rip that shellac record right up. Uh, wow. and permanently damage it, making it unplayable. Yeah. Um, so if you are starting to expand your collection and getting into some older stuff, um, some of the classic 78s, etc., you're going to want to buy a period-appropriate photo cartridge. And that's gotcha. going to mean it's going to have a conical steel stylus. Gotcha. Um, that's a good tip, because I guarantee you there's going to be someone out there with like a Robert, you know, like some Delta Blues 78 is going to put it on their modern record player and totally ruin it. So that's a good advice. If you're going for those 78s, these are shellac discs, you know, five minutes roughly of music. Uh, this would have been when? Uh, 1920 and, and earlier? or 
pretty pre forty eight. Really, yeah. I mean, yeah. anything. So back in nineteen thirty three, yeah, you found your first seventy eight RPM discs. Yeah. Uh, so that's you know that was the first sort of in this at least in this modern laterally cut records. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, totally different format. Be real careful with those because there's still there's a lot of life on those. Uh, same thing's true if you ever get any of the eighty RPM uh, Edison diamond discs. That's wow. That's a conversation for a different day. And then how about some uh, basic stylus care? You know, how often should you replace? How do you clean? You pull the little dust off? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is a real common one. I mean, you yeah. see people do that with their finger. Please right. Do that. Uh, I, I am guilty that. of that. Uh, by yeah. The way. I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of those things. You can do it, and it's probably okay until it's not. Right. Uh, when you look Noted. at Noted. The, the tip of the stylus, it's yeah. sitting at the end of this, typically an aluminum or boron cantilever. It goes up into the inside of the cartridge. Uh, there's not, it's pretty easy if you just took a little too much force to pull that entire cantilever right out of the center of the cartridge or to uncenter it between the magnets that actually create the electrical current that we turn into sound inside the audio system. Uh, so you want to keep your fingers off that stylus. Be real, real gentle with it. Uh, you know, what I would recommend if you've got a big house, you got dogs, kids, there's people cleaning, moving around. If you have a stylus guard that you can pop back onto that uh, that cartridge when it's not in use, please do so. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, I mean, you can buy a wide range of little stylus brushes. I know we make one uh, from Project. It's about 15 bucks. Uh, but and they're really just a very, very gentle bristle type brush. Uh, it's very... Gotcha. It'd be very difficult to exert any sort of significant pressure on the tip of the stylus, um, but really, as long as there's not any sort of visible, uh, visible material on it, you'll see. I mean, quite often, I've been guilty of this a couple of times where you look and there's just a whole like dust bunny. Oh working yeah, its totally, way absolutely, going for it's a like, ride. Oh man, yes. let me take care of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, as long as there's no visible dust, you know. But we do recommend keep an eye on it. Um, you know, back in the day, it was really easy to go into an audio store. You could actually bring your stylus in. And they could examine it under a microphone and tell you if there's any une uneven wear. Wow. Uh, for most of us, though, at this point, that's not really that's not so easy to do. So I'd say keep an eye on it every two years or so. Probably want to replace the that stylus on your cartridge if you can. Very cool, Jeff. Hey, I want to hear about the last few points on keeping a record collection. But before we do, we're talking records. You know, we're talking great eras of records, and I want everybody watching to know about our most recent issue, Jeff. This is our summer 2020 issue, all about Excellent. the age of fusion. You know, some great records, groundbreaking records coming out during this period. We're talking 60s, 70s. Uh, this issue has already been mailed to subscribers. It's out there. But we've converted all the stories from this print issue, along with every other print issue, into web articles. To access those web articles, uh, you'll need a digital subscription. And fortunately, uh, for last call viewers and record collectors out there, we're offering a special subscription rate for just 99 cents per month for three months. You can unlock unlimited digital access. Uh, plus, we'll enroll you to receive our forthcoming print issue, which is all about, I was telling Jeff earlier, the art of the album. So collecting albums, producing albums, listening to albums, album cover art, it's all in there. That issue is coming out in September. You sign up for the digital issue now, you get three months of digital access, plus that print issue come September. So Jeff, I just want to let people know about that. We are talking records after all, but we can sure. continue on now. I, where I think we're nearing the bottom three-ish of the uh, things you need to know about keep, uh, keeping a record collection that you probably didn't know before. Uh, so what's next on the list, Jeff? Well, I mean, we we like to. We're all kind of nerds about keeping our stuff cataloged. So true. Uh, I, 
there's some great, great tools out there. Um, you know, we do a lot with Discogs, but just always nice to keep track of what's in your collection and then recognize that, hey, these are valuable. Um, now, I'm not going to go down that path where, you know, you see the guys on Craigslist and like, oh, I've got a Beatles record. It's got to be worth $100. It's like, no, it's the commercial release and it's not a particularly valuable one. Right. But, you know, keep track of this stuff and that all plays into the storage and keeping them clean and keeping your turntable set up. You know, it doesn't take long for even a modest collection to be worth a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially if you're buying new or harder to find used records, not yep. at all uncommon to pay 30, 40, 50 bucks for a record. Right. Uh, now, keep that in mind when you're setting up your turntable. You know, so if you have the option to properly set up a cartridge on your table, keep your record clean. But for setup, it's essential that you make sure that that cartridge is riding right down the center of the groove. Okay. That it's exerting the proper amount of downforce and that it's set up properly on the arm so that it's not exerting too much pressure on one side of the record groove or the other. These little simple setup things are going to get a lot more life out of your record collection. Uh, gotcha. And the last thing you want to be doing is damaging this expensive uh, investment that you've made. Right. You know, so that's not only are you going to get better sound, they're going to last longer and they're going to sound better for a lot more. For a lot longer period of time. And for a newbie who may just be starting out, the best way for them to tell if that arm is exerting a little bit too much pressure, uh, what should they be listening for? Or alternatively, where could they take it to make sure everything's looking good? Oh, great question. Um, so the, the probably the easiest way you're going to hear this, if you've got like a, um, a solo trumpet or some solo female vocal especially, mm -hmm. and you're getting in towards the inside groove of that record, so you're getting closer towards the label, okay. if it starts sounding... Like, that guy's really got to open up his spit valve on the <laughs> trumpet. Or you're getting a lot of extra sibilance on what should be a really clean female vocal. Yeah. Um, you're experiencing something called intergroove distortion. Uh, now, to a certain extent, that's something that just happens on a record. Right, you know, you right. can only be perfect at two points over the surface of the record. So the closer you get to the label, you are going to have a little bit more distortion than out towards the meat of the, uh, of the actual record. Um, but... Uh, you're hearing that you want to double check your cartridge alignment um, if that's not something you can you can do yourself um, and you, there's a lot of tools to do this there's a great online work, uh, resource you can check out our website projectusa.com um, vinyl engine is a really good sort of general use cool. place where you can download some free protractors for making sure alignment's set up properly uh, but if you have a good local independent dealer um, you can again check out our dealer locator most of our better dealers are going to be able to you know, take the turntable, regardless of manufacturer, uh, bring it in, check it out for proper operation, take a look at your stylus, make sure that once necessary, they can mount a new one for you. Very cool. I'll add one caveat to that, Jeff, which is if you're listening to a very mediocre trumpet player with what sounds like a clogged spit valve, it might be me. It's probably... <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a recording of me. That's right. why I never made it to the bigs. Um, but fair warning. I'll, no, I'm just kidding. I haven't recorded a thing. Um, and uh, the recording industry is grateful for that. Anyway, uh, Jeff, we'll move along I to the it. next item on the list. Uh, I think we're nearing 10. We're somewhere in that ballpark. Again, not the math major, so don't blame me, folks. Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, we actually, we got through most of, we got through most of our list. Uh, cool. That's the downside. I kind of like doing these things more conversationally as opposed to like, let's hit the bullets. Uh, I'd have been terrible on Letterman back in the day. 
<laughs> yeah, going through the top 10. Well, let's uh, learn a little bit more about you then. You've got a nice record collection behind you. How many pieces are in it? And where does the music kind of fall? What's the bulk of the records in your collection? Yeah, so I, I actually grew up in a uh, kind of a more rural area in southern New Hampshire. So, you know, music was not, um, it was just kind of whatever was on the radio. Um, and then as I got into college, all of a sudden I sort of discovered that college radio independent rock scene, got yeah. more into sort of independent rock and punk and that sort of thing. Um, but one of the things that I'm really grateful for is a lot of that music did lend itself towards experiencing uh, all kinds. So, you know, if you start getting into, uh, well, one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, Morphine out of Boston, Massachusetts. Sure, yeah. Three piece. I mean, these guys are jazz as all get out. They just happen yeah. to be playing in rock clubs. Yeah. I mean, it was a baritone sax, That's a right. two string fretless bass and a drummer. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Punk um, jazz. So that's, so I found that it's, uh, continued just being musically curious. Um, Very nice. So, you know, over the years, um, it's certainly expanded. It's gone into a lot of crazy directions. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'd say normally for the most part of indie rock and punk and that kind of thing is more sort of my wheelhouse. Uh, but there's a lot of country. There's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but a reasonable amount of jazz, especially as it gets down to the New Orleans stuff. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. It just Love sounds that. so much better on vinyl, man. To hear again the full resonance of a tambourine or a sousaphone, say it's you just don't get the depth when it's compressed into something like an MP3. Um, so yeah, let's say Jeff, someone watching, maybe on the younger side, or again, never really had a record collection or had one back in the day and wants to get back into it. Sure. What's like a good starter? turntable like a good starter rig that you know won't break the bank but will bring like some really good sound for this budding record collection yeah so we just um we're actually really excited we just came out with a new product called the t1 uh, which so projects always spent a lot of money in the drivetrain for a record player right mm -hmm. so we're going to put a really good tone arm with really good bearing so it traces the record nice and smoothly we're going to put a good cartridge on there uh, they're going to have a good low noise main bearing so the platter spins smoothly, no rumble. Um, but the basic stuff has always looked pretty basic. It's got like a vinyl wrap on it. It's been like, oh, you know, it sounds great, but it doesn't look so great. Uh, the T1 is our first sort of, hey, let's fix that part. Let's build something that's amazing sounding uh, that, again, hits a very popular price point, around $340 to start, mm -hmm. uh, but look fantastic. So it's got a really nice tempered glass nice. platter, so we get a lot of rotational mass. Um, so once that platter comes up to speed, it's going to stay there. You know, still an excellent main bearing, great tone arm with excellent bearings. Um, all that stuff is so important to extract as much music as possible from the surface of a record. Because uh, any of those weird little distortions, if, you're, if that platter is creating a little bit of rumble, that vibration works its way up through the platter into the surface of the record. The stylus picks it up. It has no way to know if that vibration was in the surface of the record, you know, with its music down right. in the grooves, or if it's noise. So right. all that gets communicated up to upstream to the rest of your system. Um, so yeah, like the T1 is fantastic to you. Very nice. Um, Good we actually just start. introduced the model with that as a built-in phono preamp and electronic speed change. So when you're going back and playing all those brand new, you know, 45 RPM remasters and the right. whole Miles Davis catalog just came back. Yes. Down yeah. With all those new 45. Yeah. Yeah. RPM. yeah. Um, but that's a pain in the neck. If you got to take the platter off, physically move a belt, put the platter back on to play a 45, you're probably not going to do it. 
Right. Um, so having electronic speed change is a nice feature. Very but yeah, cool. take a look. You know, we've got a lot of great decks. Um, and we're sort of in that first really good turntable range. You know, we start sort of at $350 to $400 range, and we go up to $15,000. Uh, nice. But okay. Because of the scale of turntables that we build, I mean, there's nobody else in that sort of performance space right. uh, that builds something that's going to have the same level of quality, especially in that lower price point. That it's range. amazing yeah. what we can deliver. Yeah. Very cool. Well, how, we'll close with the flip side of that question then, because we have a lot of yeah. veteran record collectors out there as well. Um, you know, someone's got the great rig set up. What's maybe one more thing they could do to just up their performance a notch? Sure. Um, the, this often gets left out, but, uh, well, excuse my reach. No problem. I've got a phone uh-huh. um, So this is a, uh, depending on what you've got it connected to, if you've got a good cartridge, especially if you're getting into some of these move, more esoteric moving coil cartridges, they're lower output, but they can extract a lot more detail from the surface of the record. The downside the output of a photo cartridge is already super low. Right. If you go to a moving coil cartridge that's even lower, you have to have very, very quiet electronics to be able to grab all that electrical information and then get a good, clean audio signal. Right, okay. Um, so all, one of the big things I recommend is you know get it properly mounted, get yourself a decent moving coil cartridge. Um, and then this is about a $400 uh, phonogram from Project. This is called our uh, Phonobox. Uh, Photobox Ultra 500. It's a limited edition, really cool product. Um, but on the bottom, it actually has a range of adjustments here um, that are for getting the appropriate amount of gain and the proper loading. So we can take that photo cartridge and make sure it's exactly in the correct electrical uh, situation. So it's going to get wow. the best matching to the rest of your audio system. Super low noise and plenty of gain. So we're going to get all the information off that record. Beautiful, uh, but man. yeah, that's kind of the next level. Get a, that's get the way to take a good it to the cartridge. Next level. Yeah, good cartridge and a good quiet photo preamp. You're going to extract even more enjoyment from the repertory. Awesome. Well, Jeff, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the last call and talking about the 10-ish things you probably didn't know about keeping a record collection. Um, I thought it was a great list, man. And like you say, uh, I can't wait until my the record collection that i am keeping brings me back into the uh you know communal world that is record collectors i, I think it's going to happen soon so here's to that man indeed all right well, Jeff. nice Thanks. talking to you today yeah absolutely it's been a pleasure i will see you backstage i'm just going to wrap with everybody watching at home all right so sounds good thank you yep. thank you yeah, thank you to Jeff Coates, again, of Project Audio for coming in and let us know about some things you probably didn't know about record collecting and offering those tips, whether you're just starting out with your record collection or if you're a pro and you want to take it to the next level. All right, uh, this has been The Last Call. We will be back live tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to go ahead and shut down the bar here. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Follow us on Facebook. Sign up for our newsletter. Uh, follow us on YouTube and click that notification notification bell so that you know when we are going live. I'm Brian Zimmerman. Thanks for watching, everyone. So long.